the dictionary as a steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Another definition says, to persist in anything undertaken, maintain a purpose in spite of difficulty, obstacles, or discouragement, to continue steadfastly. In Hebrews 6, it says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown Him as you have helped His people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience Amen. inherit what has been promised. So as we've gone through the series of messages, we've taken a look at... Um, what to do when we don't know what to do last week. And we looked at the example of Jehoshaphat. This week we're looking at David's mighty men. And we're going to look at three of them. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 23. Now, starting in verse 8, it says, These are the names of David's mighty warriors. And again, the small disclaimer, Bible names do not sound how I pronounce them. <laughs> so, whatever way you think they should sound is probably correct. But I also cannot do English names or any names currently in use, so it's a special gift of mine. So just bear with me, but Josheb, Bashabeth, Atakamite, and Francis, you'll be able to have like three other guys back on the campus of my colleagues on the faculty that will be able to help you because Francis goes back to school next week so yeah. <laughs> and I also don't want to kill this for any classes so please don't use my pronunciations at all attack him he was the chief of the three he raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter now in verse 9 it says next to him was Eliezer son of Dodai the Aohite as one of the mighty three warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pass Damon for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eliezer stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eliezer, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Harriite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Now we're going to take a look at these three guys. And it may take sweat, and it may take faith, but mighty is as mighty does. There comes a time in our lives when we go, okay, our faith now needs to be in action. Either we believe what we believe and we're willing to stand on it, or we're coming every Sunday and spending some time just hanging out and we've joined a neat little Christian social club. Amen. Now, fortunately, having been with you enough weeks now, that is not what this church is about. This church is about pressing through, getting a hold of God, and then saying, okay, God, we're not content just to be here Sundays. We want to see what you'll do here in our midst. We want to see what you'll do here in the town of Ware. And Lord, we want to see what you're going to do all around us because we desire to see your presence poured out. We desire to see people set free, lives changed. We desire to see great things. We don't want to just see good things. We want to see great things. And we look at these three gentlemen, and each of them is fascinating to me. They joined David not when he was king. They sign up with David long before there's been a victory. In fact, the first one, and some of the scholars say his name has been changed because in some versions you'll actually find the word Baal as part of his name. 
because he was named after a pagan god. This was not a Jewish believer. Okay, this was somebody who joined up with David, who spent time with David, and fell in love with David's God. And fell in love with David's God so much that he was willing, after spending time with David, to believe God for himself. And that's part of what we need to catch. Yeah. Is that when we're spending time with the people of God, and when we're spending time with God, hopefully we're growing in our faith and it's having an impact on those around us. You know, they say of Moses when he would go in to spend time with the Lord, he would come out and the people would ask him to shield his face. Because his face was radiant from having been in the presence of God. And that's where we want to be. We want to be that people see us and they go, I can't believe it. There's something about that person. They've been mm. with God. Oh. And hopefully we can get to the place where at the end of our lives we're telling a story like this because this comes at the end of David's life. And David is chronicling, making sure that it's caught in the record what these men did. And these guys joined him long before he was king. David gets thrown out of the presence of Saul. Saul has thrown a spear at him. It's one of David's lowest points. And that's where he picks up the first guy. The first guy joins him there at Ziklag. This was not a grand time. This wasn't a time of great victory. This was a time of great sorrow for David. This wasn't at the mountaintop. This is in the valley. And that tells you something. Of, like we, we know that David, the scriptures say, was a man after God's own heart. But in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of disappointment and discouragement, his faith was such that a pagan man joins him, falls in love with his God, so much so that it inspires the pagan guy to stand and see God deliver. In spite of overwhelming odds, Joshabeth stood in, held on, refused to give up. Now it says that he was holding a spear. So, you know, eight to ten feet of pole, something sharp on the end. Personally, I prefer an Abram tank. <laughs> Feel a little safer in it. Even an up-armored Humvee with, you know, a machine gun. I got a standing 8800. But this man understood. He had met David. He had spent time with David and in that process had fallen in love with the Lord. So much so that David's faith became his faith. And he believed the Lord and went, it does not matter the odds I face. It doesn't matter how overwhelming this seems. I can stand and seek God. Because remember last week we talked about in 2 Chronicles? Yeah. That with Jeho um, Jehoshaphat. Yeah. I really need easier names. But Jehoshaphat. He stood in and what was the word that came? Do not be afraid or do not be discouraged for I am with you. Mm -hmm. Remember we talked about 365 times in the Bible those words do not be afraid yes. show up. Mm -hmm. So what, enough for each day. Yes. And we all went out of here and we saw mighty victories all week, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we knew that. And we went, there's absolutely nothing that I need to be afraid of because I've spent time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter what. And we picked up our spears and we went 800? Gee, that's nothing. You know, Francis, yeah, I went back this week and, you know, just went, enrollment is just going to be so easy now because God's in charge of it. Well, God is in charge of it. And God did do some amazing things. We had a few people just wander into the campus that hadn't been there before that said, you know, we're here, we want to fill out our applications. Miraculously, we get the references all in the same day. And trust me, you do not get all three references in the same day. You know, you pull teeth to get the references in a week. Yeah. We had two of them this week. Two kids this week came onto the campus of Zion Bible College and signed up for the fall. You also don't have that happen because here we are one week from the start of school 
And we have people coming in and going, I want to go here too. Okay, so yeah, I've had to live it out myself. Yeah, because there were a few times this week when I was sitting there and I'm going, what do you mean we don't have anything in the mail? Surely we have something in the mail. We sent out thousands of pieces. We must have everybody signing up. But there were a few days this week where it was a little bit tricky, a little bit difficult. I didn't face overwhelming odds. Not like this. There's about 30 people in the room right now. Personally, I don't think even though some of you are a little bit older than me, I don't know that I could actually take all of you if you all rushed me all at once. <laughs> okay, and I'm still in relatively good shape. Definitely have the size. 30 would easily get me. 800 seems boggling to me. You know, I just, I've watched that movie 300. You know, about this uh, Spartacus. Spartans. Spartans. And the Spartans stood in, and 300 held off the Persian army. Yeah. Well, I feel better if I have 300. I don't know that I have enough for one. To stand in as one. And yet this is what happened. He stood in with a spear and just kept going in one encounter. Now, that was obviously a long day. But how great was his faith to be able to say, it doesn't matter that they keep coming because God is with me. Amen. I have the living God on my side. There is none that can stand against me because I stand with Him. And how much more us as New Testament believers with Jesus having come and having paid the price. How much more can we say God is with us because He's already given His Son for us. Death has been defeated. There are no odds. It doesn't matter how overwhelming it seems. We can get caught up with, God, I don't know. I keep coming. And how come there aren't 400 people here sitting with me? And yet we've seen those days within this church where it was filled in this room and filled in the next. And double services. And yet, here we are sitting and going, okay, God, what do we do? God, are you going to raise up a pastor for this church? And this morning was a little uncomfortable. You know, Bill stepped way out of his comfort zone to do the transitions, to stand up, to be there. Hey, I've done a bunch of services, and I still miss Bob and Frank. You know... You get used to having everybody around you. You get used to things working. It can get to seem impossible. It can get to seem too difficult, even with a group this size. How are we going to make it happen? How are we going to see? We're not going to make it happen. You see, we get to go in, we get to stand, and then we get to see God take His hand and put His hand over ours. So that all of a sudden, what was it? impossible for us with God becomes possible. And then not only becomes possible, but becomes a chance for blessing. A chance to see God do something and we get to experience God's deliverance. We get to see the odds not work out. We get to see the odds not make sense. We get to have the world go, there's no way that that can possibly ever happen. But yes, there is. Because the creator of everything, the creator of all, stands with us. That, it's not, it's not my great studying, not my great time in prayer. It's based on simply the relationship of knowing the Lord and having that friend. When I was growing up, I had a friend. And I didn't, I wasn't one of the guys in school that liked to fight. You know, that wasn't my, my gift. My skill was not in fighting, fist fighting. So instead, the toughest guy in school, I just decided I'd be friends with him. Made sense, you know. I don't have to learn how to fight, and he likes fighting. So we went everywhere together from, you know, first grade all the way up to eight. And I didn't have to do anything. I could just be there, and if somebody did something, he just stepped in. Huh. Now, 
you know, that's schoolyard stuff, but we get to stand and have God Hallelujah. step in. Okay? No matter what you're facing, no matter how much it seems like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it. Whether it be a mortgage, a job, whether it be, you know, a neighborhood or an office co-worker or a fellow co-worker, some, some difficulty in your life, it doesn't matter that they seem more gifted. It doesn't matter that they seem to have better degrees. It doesn't matter that they have more money or anything like that because it has nothing to do with any of those things. None of those things matter. It has to do with the Lord. And when He puts His hand over yours, there's no 800. The odds are you versus anything, anyone, any number, any difficulty, financial, spiritual, anything physical God steps in because he's on our side we don't have to be afraid or discouraged because it's about him and so we don't have to sit there and go okay God I'm not gonna make it yes you are you're gonna make it not only make it but be victorious now we look at Eliezer and Eliezer this is awesome okay they go up to this past him and David a bunch of the Israelites because of course you know everybody comes along for the taunting and so they go up to this pass, and the pass is actually called the Boundary of Blood. It's the same place where David had defeated Goliath. Okay, yeah, of course, why wouldn't we go back there? You know, hey, we showed the Philistines that day. So they go up and they're standing there once again and shouting down. And they're taunting the Philistines. Yeah. Now the only thing is, the Philistines go, okay, that's it. Taunting me? And they come for battle. And the Israelites retreat. Okay. The Israelites don't all retreat. David and Eliezer stand in. Yeah. And Eliezer stands in there, even though he's now facing incredible horde of nasty pagan Philistines coming running at him. Now, okay, Braveheart, there's enough of us in the room that may have been around when Braveheart was a movie uh, and was out. Okay, they have a battle scene up there. They have, and they would scream as they ran. Yeah. Okay, they also did things with their kills. We won't get into that. But <laughs> they would come into battle and you would run screaming yeah. to help intimidate your army. Right. So, okay, that's what you're picturing. Okay? Now, everybody that's been standing there with you disappears. It's kind of like who's going to pay for the check when you're out with a bunch of friends and you're all sitting there at the table and all of a sudden the bill comes. And then miraculously, all of a sudden, people have to find the restroom. It's like they all evaporate from the table. Okay, everybody disappears. So you are now looking around because, of course, these are real people. Hey, wait a second, where's everyone going? Why is everyone taking off? Okay, I got a little bit of muncha. I'm going to stand in and fight. No, Eliezer doesn't go, well, I'm just going to stand in and fight. Maybe I'll knock down the first two or three. He stands there and refuses to give ground and keeps fighting and keeps fighting and keeps fighting and keeps fighting. He uses what he has at his disposal. Happens to be a sword. Mm -hmm. He uses it for so long yeah. that he ends up wiping out 300 men mm -hmm. with a sword. Mm -hmm. That's close in combat. That's everybody starting to pile up around you. You're getting muddy, you're getting dirty, you've got everything coming on you because it's close in. Yeah. It's right in your face. Yeah. He doesn't stop in spite of overwhelming fatigue because you get tired. If you don't believe me, try standing for 10 minutes with your arms above your head. Right. You stand for 10 minutes with your arms above your head and you'll feel the pain start to come. And you go, wait a second, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then if you have to keep it any longer, it's kind of like in Survivor, you know, when they do the things at the last, yeah. I haven't seen it for many years now, but they, the last three people, they have like do some stupid endurance thing yeah. where they're standing so that they get tired. Yeah. Okay, well that's 10 minutes, half an hour, an hour. This is a day. This is standing in that same place, refusing to give up, refusing to give in because you're trusting in God. Even though you're so tired, even though every muscle in your body aches, everything inside you is going, that's it, give up. Give up. There's no shame in giving up. Just let go. Give up. You 
know, we just saw the Olympics, right? And you saw the people that refused to give up. Even when they'd come in last, they would push on through. They would push on through to complete, to get through, yes. to make it. How much more in overwhelming situation it seems dire. And yet he knows that in spite of everything around him, in spite of everything that his body is telling him, and you know, your body tells you stuff. You start and you go, okay, I'm going to press in and meet with you, God. I just want to get a hold of you. And ten minutes into it, you're going, oh, God, I just want to take a nap with you now. Oh, Lord, just let me take a nap. I just want to push in. Five o'clock, what are you kidding? It's so early. God, it's dark. People shouldn't be up. The rooster didn't even get up yet. How many times? Oh, I know what's happened to me. And I've done it in the middle of Jamaican churches when everybody's jumping. And yet you get so tired that you're going, there's no way. I just can't stay awake any longer. Five o'clock in the morning, you've got people jumping all around you. And yet, here's a man, Eliezer, who comes from one of the outside tribes. He's the jock of jocks. He's not well respected in the ranks. He's not, you know, a Levite. Nobody's looking at Eliezer and saying, he is just this awesome spiritual warrior. And yet, hmm, he didn't have the heritage. He hadn't grown up in the church all his life. Okay. He hadn't been on the front row forever. He probably wasn't even a really good singer. No. But he took what he had. And it happened to be some faith and a sword. And he refused to let go and just kept going for God's sake. Hallelujah. That in spite of everything, even though he wanted to stop and many times went, I could just give up. You can just give up. He never gave up. And he saw God do an awesome miracle. Now they say that it Let's, guys, let's pass those out. You're going to get a little little Roman soldier now. Now, I know Roman, best I could do. I'm giving you this so that you can have it. It's a little soldier with a sword. But you'll notice the sword doesn't come out of the little soldier's hand. Okay? It stays there. It's welded in place. Because when you look back at the original language, you see that it says that his hand cleaved to the sword. It stuck to the sword. He swung that sword for so long and so hard that it's as though his hand became welded. When you weld something, the two separate no longer exist. It becomes one piece. It was welded to his hand. Couldn't pry it out. Nothing was going to get that sword out of his hand. Nothing should get the scripture out of our hands. That's right. That's right. We need to have the scripture. We need to be reading it. We need to be memorizing it. We need to be using it daily. Ephesians talks about the armor of God. We have the Word of God as part of that armor. It needs to be a part of us. The Word of God, it says in Hebrews 4, is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Cutting to the dividing of the marrow and the heart. Cutting deep inside. Changing people. Changing our lives. Changing our situations. Because His Word... They had revival just from reading the law. Amen. They would get up and read the law, and revival would come. How much more sections where you can actually really feel more than just the numbering of the tribes? His Word needs to be a part of our lives. His Word needs to be used in our situations. When you face something... Amen. You need to be able to pull out the Word and say, God, even though this looks impossible, I know it isn't. Even though I feel totally alone. I feel like there's no one else around. It seems so dark. It feels like no one 
can ever understand what I'm going through. Yeah. I feel utterly alone. I feel like the Lord's forsaken me. But wait, it says in your word, you will never leave me or forsake me. Thank you. You'll never leave me. Thank Even though this seems impossible to me, God, I don't know how we're going to make it. Wait, you said don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. We need to use the Scriptures. They need to be a part of us. Because that is part of how we grow in faith. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, for the final message of this, it's going to be about growing in our faith. It's going to be about taking faith and putting it into action Hallelujah. and seeing God work and grow and move in our lives, yeah. in our church, in our neighborhoods, mm -hmm. in our communities. Oh, because yeah. that's what we're here for. We're not just here mm -hmm. so that we can all look really good on Sundays and you're a very good-looking crowd. But it's more than that. Because there's people all around us that don't know the Lord, that have no idea that they can have a relationship with the living God, that they can walk and talk with God as Adam and Eve did in the garden. That it's all about coming back to Him. That it's all about being in relationship with God. So that no longer do we face the things alone. So that no longer does it seem impossible. So that no longer does it seem like we're not going to make it because we have Him to come and be with us and to walk through it with us. But then not only that, to bring victory. To bring light into the midst of darkness. To see people healed. To see people brought back into right relationship. Because when people come into right relationship this way, the vertical between God and man, relationships between man and man, also pull in and straighten out. And we can see God do amazing things. Not just little thing, but I want to see when I walk that my shadow, like it did for the apostles, that to me would be the coolest thing. That my shadow would, from having God there with me, not that it would be my shadow, but just that I get the front row seat to see that. That as you walk along, you see your shadow fall on somebody and God touches them and they're healed. Now, we all know that very graciously I've had a fan. Somebody brought in the fans so that it wouldn't be so warm up here for me. But they also had handkerchiefs. And you know, sweaty old handkerchief. You imagine? But it says in Acts, that's the sort of thing that they took. They took a handkerchief. And they, they ran it out. And just from having been near someone who had been in the presence of the Lord, miracles would happen. Okay, because that's what it's about. It's not about you know, how well the stock market does. It's not about, you know, all the things, having the nice car and all of those things, and those things are all wonderful. But they're temporary. We're here for a blink. We're on our way to heaven. It's about going and spending eternity with Him. And we want to take as many people with us. We want to let people know you do not have to go through this life beat down trodden, have everything weighing you down. That isn't what it is. This life is meant to be victorious. Death no longer has its sting. No longer does sickness and all of the disease run rampant. It's about God. It's about coming back and spending time with Him. And when you've been in the presence of the Lord, there's nothing like it. There's absolutely nothing like it. And I can say that because yesterday... I got an email. I show up to my office on the campus, and at 9.30 I get an email informing me that the night before, my family had gathered with one of the most important people in my life, my grandmother. And she was in the hospital. And it didn't look good. And so when I got that email at 9.34, my brother got it at 7.30, forwarded it to me. It bounced through into my email about 9.30. And I read that they didn't expect that she would make it through the night. And I went, wow, I'm finding out via email. You know, that's, that's not one of those times when you go, yes, I love this email. Amen. You know, immediately I went, why in the world wouldn't somebody call me? I reread the email and I went, there's 10 people in that room. You mean to tell me 10 people didn't have a phone? And I got all caught up in that. Okay. So I end up, you know, my grandparents, two most important people in the world. 
Um, my grandfather passed away June 1st. Went to be with the Lord. Now, he was a minister, and he preached till he was 92. He went into the presence of God at the age of 94. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And my grandmother, same thing. They loved the Lord so much, and they, they made sure that every one of us, from their kids to their grandkids to their great-grandchildren, knew that not only did God love them, but that it was about relationship with God. All right. And they cultivated and showed and loved unconditionally and just poured out their presence. And, you know, you would go and you would stay with them and you would start your day in prayer and the Word. And right up until my grandmother passed, she continued the tradition. So 11 weeks after my grandfather, who she was married to for 70 years, she continued to go through the prayer list. They had the prayer list, everybody in the family was prayed for by name. Everybody. The minute somebody married in, they were prayed for by name. But then there was a secondary list, which was that people knew that my grandparents prayed. And so they would call any of us and say, you know, could you get your grandparents to pray? Because I knew that when my grandparents were praying, that no matter what, every single morning, without fail, they would be prayed for by name also. And that you know, some of those morning prayer times would get to be an hour, hour and a half as you're going through because everybody got prayed for. And that was a mark of their lives. And so, my grandmother passed into the presence of the Lord apparently yesterday morning at 5 a.m. And so we get another email, my brother and I at 11.30, telling us that. And it was not a great moment of faith for me. It was one of those times when I went, I can't believe it. And it just felt like I was so disconnected. You know, you get that news by email and you're going, wow, I really am just completely disconnected. And that became the whole focus. And so sitting, I'm talking to my brother and I'm like, dude, I don't understand this. Okay, and that, instead of celebrating with my grandmother, right. a godly woman who had Amen. just wanted to go into God's presence. That was, you know, after my grandfather went, after 70 years of marriage, we talked for 86 minutes in our last conversation. And five times she said to me, I just really want to go and be in Jesus' presence full time. I just want to, I just want to be in heaven. You know, that's, that's where I want to be. And so I got a phone, my, as it turns out, my dad has suffered with terrible health issues. And after he had, I don't understand all of it, but as part of it, he ended up not finding out until about 5.30. And with the health issues, it just it was, became one of those things where he's lost, you know, his mother and his father in a short period. So there was that stress. And so as soon as he could, because, of course, he's not at home. He's out with them and was at the hospital. And by the time he got back to the place where he could sit down, get a phone, and find our numbers to call us, you know, all this news had already come. And I ended up sitting for the rest of yesterday afternoon spending time with the Lord because it's the one thing, you know, from, from really young. I mean, I know this will sound strange, but I was four years old when I accepted the Lord. My parents were moving. They were going to leave Winnipeg and move to Toronto. And so when this was happening, my grandparents had made it a matter of prayer because they were concerned because my parents weren't serving the Lord at the time. And they were concerned that the kids, because I was born, my, my brother was just a baby, was, you know, they weren't going to have, we're not going to have that ability to share God's love over the many, many thousand, like thousand, two thousand miles. And so they made it a matter of prayer. Okay. And as a four-year-old playing in the front yard now, of course, this was a long time ago, well before car seats and, you know, things like that. There was a house church that met two doors down from, my, from the house that we lived in. And so I had walked down the street as a four-year-old because, you know, four-year-olds, especially boys, were going to walk away. And so I walked away and walked into this church, and two little old ladies had told me about the Lord. And that afternoon, this is where the car seat comes into play. My grandmother picked me up, and I was standing on the back of the seat, leaning onto the front seat. And 
I said to my grandmother, you know, Grandma, I love Jesus. And was explaining what had happened. And I mean, God has been in my life strong since the age of four. And I've been able to see God do amazing things. And He's kept. And so it's, it's been that relationship. It was that relationship with God that when my parents got divorced, that held me. You know, it was that relationship with God and... I honestly believe my grandparents praying every single day of my life for me. That just kept, and God would keep His hand on me, and just guided through everything. And so yesterday afternoon, I had to go back and put this into practice, because as you know, I won't get up here and say anything, and share from the Scripture that I'm not living myself. And so I went to the Comforter that I knew, and spent time just sitting in the Lord's presence. And it was amazing to just have His presence there and go, Okay, God. This is the new chapter. And I need to make sure that I'm doing and sharing and loving the way my grandparents did. Because I got to see at my grandfather's funeral an extra, must have been an extra 150 people for a guy who had retired at the age of 35 from pastoring, who came, and I talked to so many of them, that came just because they had heard him preach along the way in the last 30 years. And he just, you know, there were so many things in my grandparents' lives and they were real, and they shared them, Hallelujah. so that we would have that heritage and know the Lord, yeah. because that was the most important thing to them. And I'm hoping that this is the sort of impact that my life can have, like these guys who spent time with David and fell in love, fell in love with David's Lord. Now Shama, this guy was amazing. Shama's the last guy mentioned here, and it says that he stood in a field of lentils. Now you need to understand, this wasn't a large field. You know, we drive by some of the farms, and you see, you know, just thousands of acres all around us. It's just amazing how much corn, you know, nine, ten feet high. Now, Shama wasn't standing in one of those fields. He was standing in a field like your backyard vegetable garden. That's about the size. And the value, monetarily, was probably around $20. This was the lentils that are in soup. Right. Now, it was harvest time because they say people were in the fields. And it also says the Israelites withdrew. But Shama didn't. Now, maybe it was because he really liked the soup and wanted to make sure there were going to be lentils. But I suspect that even though it seemed like the most humble circumstances, even though other people said, what are you doing? You're standing in the middle of lentils. Come on, pull back to a better position. Shama understood that God had told the Israelites to possess the land. It was God's land. Now it didn't matter if it had the tabernacle on it or if it had lentils. Shama went, this is the Lord's land. I will not give quarter. And he stayed and defended a vegetable garden because it was God's vegetable garden. Now, you have some amazing folks that have been here a long time. You have some amazing folks that have said, I will not give quarter in this church. I will stand and I will stay and I will believe God because this is God's church and I'm not going to give it up. And even though it seems like it's really humble circumstances, uh-uh, God, not giving it up. 
No way. This is yours, and I will stand and I will hold for you. It doesn't matter whether we have the big fancy titles. It doesn't matter whether we have all the recognition of our neighbors and, you know, people just walking around with tons of respect. Right. It's not about that. Amen. It's about doing what the Lord's called us to do, which is to go and make disciples. Um, it's to spread the good news so that we can make sure we hold on to what's God's. And He's not willing that any should be lost. And we want to make sure that whatever we do, we don't go, well, they're not that good looking. Or, oh, they don't have the talent that I really hope that we'd see. Because we don't see as God sees. Okay, Nobody would have looked at these three guys at the beginning and said, oh, that one's going to take out 800, and that one's going to, oh, he'll stand there so long the sword will stick to his hand and he'll knock out 300. Right. Or, that guy's never even going to let that garden patch go. No. None of those guys were really what you would consider, oh yeah, that's going to be like, that's going to be the next Billy Graham. Guys, it's not about any of that. It's about faithfulness just to Him. It's about that relationship with God. And even though our circumstances may seem really humble, and I'll tell you what, there were two old ladies that day on Banning Street, all the way back, those many years ago, that I'm sure could have decided that morning, this isn't the morning to come and do Sunday school. Do I really need to go? Are the kids even going to pay attention? Yeah. Because they didn't know that that would be the day, the one day that I would go in there, the one day that I would happen to be in that church, and it was the only day that I went into that church until I went back about six years ago and was talking to the pastor. My Lord. And the pastor said, you know, I can't believe it, I never do this, but are you here tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm in town through till Monday because I've gone out for a general conference. And he said, would you preach tomorrow morning? That was the second time I'd been in the church. I'd never been back. One day. One day in that church. And I was able to go back with both my grandparents and preach there in that little church. And it was still a little church. And they were still doing what God had called them to do. Praise the Lord. And for me, it was the simple greatest honor. But... It never would have happened if somebody had gone, oh, God, I can't go and teach those little okay. kids Sunday school. Yeah. Really? I don't even think they pay attention. They're just hyper. It didn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter the odds. And it certainly doesn't matter how tired we feel. Okay? Because He gives us rest. Right. We can gird up on wings as eagles. Amen. Isaiah tells us that. Amen. We can press into His presence. We can under, have the comfort of the Lord standing around about us. He puts a hedge of protection around us and we can face anything. We have to lay aside all those other things and it can be scary. It can really be scary because we get caught up with what, what's that person going to think of me? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the greatest sorrow I have in my life is from when I was 18 years old. Because at 18, I knew that God had called me to the ministry. And I think by then I knew I was going to go to Zion. And this is just before I'd gone. And like any 18-year-old boy, I was hanging out with a girl. And that day I was hanging out with a girl in a park. And her little brother happened to come along. And I wanted to talk to the girl because I wanted to get to know the girl. And really felt like I needed to share the Lord with her brother. He was 15. Really felt like I needed to share the Lord. But I went, oh God, I'm going to look so stupid in front of this girl. You know, I really, you want me to share the Lord in the middle of this park? I'm going to look like a great big fool. And so I resisted it. Lord nudged me again, resisted it. 
And, you know, at the end of the time, I left the park, went home. And about two hours later, that little brother stepped off the street. Stepped off a curb in the middle of the city. And was run over by a bus. And that was a day that I was to share the Lord. And I was to tell, tell him, you know, that Jesus died for him. That he rose from the grave and made atonement for us so that we could be there back in relationship with God that we could once again step into the presence of the Almighty God. And I was a dad, didn't I? And I won't know until I get to eternity if hopefully there was somebody just a little bit more obedient. There was somebody that listened. But guys, you don't want to miss that opportunity to tell people that Jesus loves them. You don't want to miss that opportunity to tell somebody that, you know, there's hope in the midst of pain. That even though everything seems overwhelming, Jesus has His arms out. And that He put those arms out so that we could come back into His presence. That we could come to the Lord and spend time with God. And that that's what all of this is about. This whole business of being on this planet, of walking on this earth, is simply about the opportunity to come back to God. To no longer be separated. To no longer be alone. That's what it's all about. And it... If you haven't, if you haven't made that decision, and I, I don't do the close your eyes and bow your heads. I do the, if you want to come and you haven't accepted the Lord as your Savior, and you want to make that relationship right, the altars are open. And don't walk out the doors of the church. Don't walk out at any point without going, okay, Lord, you were willing to hang on Calvary's cross. You were willing to bear that price for me. You were willing to pay it all. Yes. And this isn't about us being looking good in church and having you know all the right words. No, this is it's not about a building. Lord. It's about that relationship with God. Yes. Right. And it's about having that opportunity to make it right. Mm -hmm. To not give up that opportunity to spend time and say, okay, God, you know what? I've screwed up along the way, but I can't believe it. You still love me and I want to be a part of that. Lord. And I believe that you sent your son and you raised him from the dead and paid that price for me. Yes. So guys, you know, I'm not just don't give up on that opportunity. Yes. You know, and they bow your head and raise your hands and all that is great. But he did it for us publicly. Yes. And I'm willing to stand and say, you know, he's my Lord and Savior. He's my closest friend. Thank you. And that's what it's about. And hopefully every one of us has made that decision. Now, having that, the next thing is don't just keep it to yourself. The, the Bible didn't stop there. Amen. It wasn't, oh, all right, yeah, I'm in the club. No, it's go and make disciples. Which is to go out there and share that love. Share the reason why you have hope. Share the reason why when you go to a funeral, yeah, you may sorrow because for a moment that person is out of our lives. But you see, I know that I'm going to see both my grandparents again. I know that I'm already going to be going, yes, God, that's absolutely amazing. And they're having this opportunity to spend time with their Lord and Savior. And that's what it's all about. And so I know that even though it stinks that I'm not going to pick up the phone and be able to talk to them, but I know that I'm going to walk into the presence of Jesus at the end of this life, and I am going to see them again. And hopefully, we're going to see a lot of other people there too. Because we're not going to go, okay, yeah, I'm going to look stupid. And Corinthians says, you know, it is foolishness. It seems like foolishness. Colossians talks about it too. And yeah, the world may not understand how the blood of Jesus makes us whiter than snow. But them understanding is not as important as just coming 
and get it coming back to Jesus. Okay, I don't care that the news media says it's stupid. I don't care that they say, I need to do this. Uh-uh. None of that matters either. It doesn't matter to me that you go into a store and somebody says, really, you're one of those? Yeah. And I really am because I got the name Christian just by birth. <laughs> so. But yeah, I'm proud to be a follower of Jesus. I haven't stood and beaten 800. I haven't had a sword cleave to my hand. Sometimes I feel like I've been in some humble circumstances. But either which way, I know that no matter what happens, no matter what I face, I'm already victorious because God's won that victory. Even when it seems impossible to me, I know that I'm coming out of it okay. I may not know all the details along the way, but I know it's going to work out. I'm going to leave the altars open at the end of the service if you want prayer. And I'm going to pray with you right now. And next week, come on back. We're going to play with some seeds and some dirt. You're going to get to play with dirt in church. Oh. Yes, yeah, I can't help it. The Bible says you're supposed to be like a child. You know, you want to be like a child to get into the kingdom of heaven, so I'm doing my level-headed best to stay that way. I want to have fun. I want to laugh. And I want to stay like a kid. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time in your presence. Lord, we thank you for what you did on Calvary's cross. Father, we thank you that we're a people of hope. And Lord, I ask right now that you'd help each of us to have the courage to share that which you've given to us. Yeah. That, Father, we would be able to let people know that you care about them, that you're not just watching over us, but, Lord, you care about the intimate details of our lives. The Scriptures say you know the very hairs on my head. And, Father, we just lay our lives in your hands. Yeah. Lord, we get scared. We get discouraged. Lord, I ask that you would just quicken our hearts. That even as you met us in worship, that Lord, each day as we rise, you would meet with us. That Father, your presence would cheer and guide us. That Lord, we would be able to see you do great things. Not that we would be known as a great people, but that we would be able to see what a great God does. Father, we would be careful to give you all the honor and glory. And we look forward to the next time that we can meet in your presence. Yeah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.